When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Hello, welcome to episode 98 of... This week I'll be talking to Justin Kelly of a band called Sons of Southern Ulster. They have an album called Foundry Folk Songs which came out, oh, a year ago at least, I would imagine. At least. And I've been talking to Justin on and off on the um, old Twitter machine for the last year at least. Now I should have got him on the podcast a long time ago so I'm very naughty and very remiss of me not to have done it. But we finally called him up. He's based in Boston. We chatted for an hour. I think the quality is quite good on this. So uh, the album has uh, got some great songs. One song called The, called the Pop In, which uh, was the song of the week in the Irish Times. And Tom Robinson played it on the BBC. And it's a favourite of Paul McLoon here. And there's some other great songs. Cavan Cola uh, being another one of them. And they're all lyrics. The lyrics are reminisced maybe, but just... Um, Bear witness to that time in Ireland growing up in the countryside. So they, Cavan in particular, I suppose. Uh, But all small towns, I guess. And that time in the 80s or late 70s, when Ireland was a very different place. It was very much a monoculture. And um, you didn't want to stick out much. You wouldn't be going around with Pearsons anyway and that kind of crack. And... uh, uh, very Catholic country and a country that uh, has changed a lot for the better I think uh, but there are still still uh, uh, things from those days that uh, that we should hang on to I mean we obviously went through that horrible uh, uh, time of the Celtic tiger times when people lost their own themselves that was a that was a nasty time when when I remember I remember going to to uh, Waterford to do a gig in the college in Waterford, and a young fella who was uh, maybe in the Ents office, the entertainment office or something, first thing he said to me was, uh, what are you driving? What are you driving? That was the only interest he had, and that was what the Celtic Tiger was like. People just uh, judged you by what kind of car you had. So hopefully those days are gone, but I wouldn't like to go back to the other days either. Before that, uh, unlike John Walters, who definitely seems to have a a thing for going back to those days no thanks mister um uh i've had a little injury in my training for the uh marathon i pulled strained a hamstring strained it one day when i was doing the uh sprints 
and then I left it for a few days and then I went for a run again and it pulled again so the last two days three days or whatever I've, I've gone I've done a couple of long cycles just got on the bike and cycled over to Cullen or Colon if you like just above Slane there went up there back down through Slane stopped for a coffee there and back into Drada got very wet had a very wet arse and um hope i think i'll go for a run tomorrow and hopefully i'm back on track but because uh, i have to do my 16 mile run i've only gone up to 14 miles i have to do a 16 an 18 a 20 bring it back down and then another 20 i think that's what i'm meant to be doing because the uh, marathon's coming up soon now you know uh, tomorrow uh, I'm going into my old school in Drogheda, St Mary's, where I went for two years just to chat, maybe do a bit of comedy for the young lads there and maybe give them some advice on life because because they won't know that I haven't a clue. But uh, I can give them advice. I can give you advice. Do you want some advice? I, I can go. I can go back to the thing I wrote for the big issue. Here's some advice. You've got to have a laugh. You've got to hang out with people who make you laugh. <laughs> or are listening to podcasts. Some podcasts are quite funny. This one isn't. It's very serious. Uh, but sometimes you're listening to something that makes you laugh and you're bent over double. In the kitchen or maybe you've have to, you're walking down the street listening to something and then... You've got to pull into a little alcove so you can laugh. Isn't that great? Because when you're laughing, the whole world laughs with you. But apart from that, you don't care what's happening in the world, do you? Because you're laughing. The same running and cycling, I find, for me. Maybe it's just doing something physical as well. Chopping wood, if you needed wood. If you had an axe, I suppose you could just chop wood. Uh, that kind of thing. Having sex, I suppose. Although that's with someone else, so you have to think. It's not quite the same as chopping wood. I don't think. But um, general physical interaction. Hugging people is good for you, apparently. Hug your kids. I do miss having little kids. Uh, I do do still hug my, my kids, but they're older. But little kids' hugs are the best. So uh, there's my advice. So do you think I can give them that advice? I can't go into a young fella's in school and go just hug your little brother no don't buy the lottery ticket don't be waiting on that as any way for uh that's 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 not a way to go through life buying lottery tickets what would you do with it if you won wouldn't be you know go on a you know they always posters going on a beach week later you'd be bored shitless you know lying on a beach drinking a fucking cocktail what kind of shite would that be to be honest so um that's my advice that's my advice so here we go this is uh justin kelly from the band the songs are the sons of southern ulster
Where are you, Justin, at the minute? Where are you? I um, I live just outside Boston. I've been here since uh, about 1993, so I've been here for 26, that was 27 years, and right. sort of lived in, in and around Boston, and I'm about 20 miles outside of it now. I live in, in a suburb. I've got three kids here, oh, and yeah. that's, that's, that's what you do in, in, in the United States. What, have kids? No, move to the suburbs. <laughs> oh, right, sorry. Kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for good school systems and everything else. So, so it's, it's very, uh, yeah. very conservative, and, and uh, so it's a well-worn path. Ah, so, yeah, yeah, but I mean, uh, I'm sure you're filling them with lots of left-wing views when you're in the house. Uh, pro- probably more than, than than I should. Yes, and, yeah. and uh, lots of Irish ways and bad language and. <laughs> Yeah, sort of that kind of thing. But yeah. uh, but I, I think they're they're okay. They're, they're not too traumatized. Yeah, and uh, what age are they? Uh, my eldest is uh, fourteen, and then mm. I've my youngest. I've three kids, and then my youngest would be nine. Ah, young enough, young so, enough. So yeah. they're at a very impressionable age. Yes. Yeah, yeah. My son is twenty, you know, and he's uh, he's in a band, and uh, you know, so it's uh, it's all happening again. History well, is believe a, it or not. My son is in a band. He's a, he's a drummer in a band. And uh, mm. sad to say, I went to see them last night in their rehearsal as I was picking them up, and they did a little tune for me. Ah, uh, nice. And it, it sounds very like Yes from uh, Tales of Topographic Ocean or something <laughs> like that. So really not not my thing, but, uh, I, I, but I'm still proud of him. He, uh, he's good. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, my son uh, went through that phase. Don't worry about it. I think around the same age, I think 14, I was just thinking, is he doing this? Does he somehow know that this is the one type of music I would really hate him to be into? <laughs> and, uh, but well, everything he, I like, he hates. So I, that's probably healthy. It's probably a good thing. That's what, yeah, that's what they're meant to do. Yeah, they're, they're meant to do that. But um, so... Uh, you, you, where did you grow up in uh, in Ireland? Where did you grow up? I, well, originally I grew up in, in Dublin. I was born in, uh, I, I spent the first, the early years of my life in Terenure. And then at the age of 11, my family decamped to Bailiborough County Cavan out right. of the blue. And I think we'd sort of, uh, my father wasn't working and we sort of hit hard times. There was no money. And my father actually had grown up in, in Bailiborough himself. So we sort mm. of, uh, we, we had a house and we sold that house. I think it was, if I remember, it was, this was in the 70s. I think we yeah. sold the house in Terranure for 19 grand mm. and we bought a pub in Bailborough for 22 grand. So wow. it all worked out very well. But it was quite a change. Certainly back then it was quite a change. It was only about 50 miles up the road, but Jesus, it was like a different world. Oh, and yeah, so absolutely. That would be a massive change back then because um, I grew up in Mead uh, for some of the time and uh one or one or two people turned up at the school who had come out from dublin and they were like aliens to us you know so, yeah. <laughs> well that's that's what it was like and and that whole culty dub thing was sort of at its height yeah and uh unfortunately i i sort of considered myself a bit of a dub and i thought it was a bit of a calm down to have to go down and become a culty but that's what we did anyway so and then at the at the same time 
as as I moved there around the same time, my friend David, who's, who plays the guitar in the band Sons of Southern Ulster with me, yeah. his family moved over from England. So that was far more traumatic. Even more alien. He, <laughs> well, he was a total blow-in. Yeah. At least, you know, my my, fam, my, my ancestors were from the town, yeah. but he was coming from uh, outside of London somewhere, so it must have been pretty bad for him. Yeah, and uh, I guess that's why you found some solace in, in music or something you know that probably would have been it we, we certainly would have had something in common but i'd say at that point we probably we weren't hanging around too too closely with each other at that point it was it was more sort of later on when we discovered sort of music and punk rock and all of that kind of stuff that sort of that bond began to grow but but we certainly knew each other i'd say we we, we were in the same class in sixth class in the local primary school mm. along with the guy who's who's now our drummer so we oh. all go back a long way. It's forty years at least. Right, yeah, and so like Baileyborough for me, I grew up in a in a farm, and I think Baileyborough where it was was the creamery where all our, our milk went to. Do Do you know that? Do you know of the creamery in Baileyborough? No. Uh, oh, absolutely! Yeah, there was yeah. a Baileyborough co-op, which was huge, That's and it was it, it was a big yeah. employer. And Baileyborough was a sort of a strange town because even though it was in the country, there was actually certainly in the seventies there was a lot of industry around it, and the co-op would have been a big uh, employer. So there, there was always you know a bit of work around the town and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it was so it was a kind of a vibrant town because there was a lot of employment. And there was a lot of pubs. There was about thirty pubs in the town, and I think uh, I think the population was about fifteen hundred at the time. So, so oh. there was plenty of places to get into mischief and have a drink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and so, uh, like you, uh, at fourteen, is that when you were starting to get into music, or had you, you know, well, I mean, I presume you did before that as well. But what kind of music were you? Can you remember like listening to when you were around that age, or? Well, I would say, I'd like to say, you know, everybody kind of goes, oh, the Clash and the Sex Pistols and they changed my life and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But I have to say, growing up in rural Ireland, as as big an influence as the Clash or the Sex Pistols was like status quo and shawadi wadi. Like when I think ah, back, yeah. I think back to Top of the Pops and shawadi wadi and all that Teddy Boy kind of stuff. And you kind of, I, I wouldn't have been that discerning at that time. You kind of sort of become more discerning as you get older and you sort of reinvent yourself. Mm. But back then, horse lips, status quo. We, we used to go to discos. They'd have these discos in the local hall. Mm. And I remember people would line up in front of the DJ and yell for horse lips and status quo and stuff. And so th- th- that was that was big. And then, you know, they'd play the Sex Pistols alongside that. Or, you know, when those kind of, when I suppose mm. in retrospect is after the Sex Pistols would have sort of sold out. sort of Because I remember, you know, songs like something else and pretty oh, thing yeah. and stuff being played at the discos but to be honest with you i didn't really see a huge you know i wasn't like oh this is punk that's what i'm really into i just kind of liked it all and i kind of liked that whole kind of boot boy kind of thing that was going on at the time so i'd say so that that would have had a big influence and then growing up in in cavern too you have to uh even though we didn't really like it at the time i suppose in the background there's the influence of all that shitty uh country and country Irish, Irish kind of stuff that was going on that was huge it was massive go- yeah I actually interviewed on this podcast I interviewed Jimmy Smith uh, who's a guitarist in the band called the Bogey Boys but his sister is Gloria and uh, she uh, had a hit with One Day at a Time which I think was number one for a year or something in uh, 70s I used to hate it but he came from a musical family and then he was more into punk and whatever. So, you know, I mean, it's not that far away from... No, and it's very... And it's funny that you mentioned Gloria because uh, mm. in Bailiburgh, she actually had relations in Bailiburgh. 
All right. So Gloria was sort of this, uh, you know, this kind of glamorous figure, and ba- like people were going, you know, her relations live down in Drumbannon. Mm. The, the McCluskeys were relations of hers, so mm. she was sort of like a, a celebrity. I think she came to open the festival one. There used to be a festival every year, and yeah. they get a celebrity to come and open it. And I think Gloria was supposed to open it, but to be honest with you, I think she didn't show up that year. <laughs> so we we were left disappointed, but everyone was very proud of her. And in fact, the mm. Sons of Southern Ulster, we have one of the one of her songs. We have. Laurie actually gets a mention one day at a time, Sweet Jesus, on the jukebox. So I, oh, I would nice. remember that stuff well. Right, uh, yeah. It was, it was... She, so, she know, used to we, sing down the road from us as well in Maguire's Pub in, in Kentstown with her. Uh, because her father was a show band fella. So, and actually, when I was growing up as well, uh, the band Chips uh, hired, uh, rented a house up the road. <laughs> and that was like, <laughs> yeah. we were like, oh well, my that- God, Chips. Are just literally a mile away from us. At oh, this that was Linda Martin and Chips. Li- Linda Martin and Chips, <laughs> which I never thought about it at the time. To me, now calling a band Chips is really bizarre. It's like calling a, I don't know, it's like calling a band Battered Cod or something. You know? Yeah, it was a strange one, but there were so, there were a few strange. Remember, remember, there used to be a band called the Bray City Rollers. I know, I didn't know the same that. Time. No. Oh yeah, they were. I, I'm not sure if they were a Bay City Rollers cover band or not, <laughs> but they but they must have been from Bray anyway. Yeah, and there was Lena Dale Hayes and the Champions as well. Gina Dale, yeah, or she, Gina, she, she would have been big around around Calvin. Yeah, 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 and, so, and in fact, the first. I was in with myself and David and, and Noel, the guys I talked about earlier. We we started this band in, in you know when we were sort of in our late teens. We started this band in Baylor, and our very first gig was a support. The first we our first two gigs were one night after another. So it, the Baylor Festival was on, mm. and the first gig was supporting Brush Shields of all people. Mm. It, it was great. And then the second night of the festival, we supported Tweed. I don't know if you remember Tweed. Yeah. They were big on that show. Which yeah. <laughs> speaking of strange names, Tweed. I no, yeah, obviously a, a very exotic thing back then. Very edgy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, tweet. Yeah. nice, nice. And they were very, they were very professional. They treated us with a disdain that uh, we probably deserve. But they, they, you know, they, there was no messing around with tweet. They, they were real musos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proper musicians. And uh, yeah, so but I, I would, I would agree with you that I mean, looking back, you probably a lot of people say, oh, we we listen to the Clash, but but you kind of don't jump from one thing to the other you i mean i think i was probably listening to wings at the same time as i was listening to elvis costello and stuff yeah it's i didn't make a difference uh, until i realized started reading the nme maybe and i, I realized i shouldn't like these bands absolutely i think once you started reading the nme that kind of ruined you or maybe made you i i don't know because I can remember up to then, like I'd sit when uh, RTE two, you know, RTE Radio two, when yeah. that first came out, and I'd sit there with my finger on the pause button on the tape recorder mm. and make like compilation tapes after, and I wasn't very discerning because uh, yeah. you know you'd have the jam next to I don't know the Bee Gees or something. Yeah. So, but yeah, there definitely did come a point I'd say in the mid teens when when the NME thing kicked in, and suddenly it was all Joy Division and long raincoats and. Yeah, and, and sort of rewriting history and putting Shawadi Wadi to the back of the record collection and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, which is a shame. Not that there was an extensive record collection. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But it is a shame because I think I kind of didn't listen to Pink Floyd for years because of that uh, thing, that snobbishness. And I mean, 
I missed out on some. You know, I've discovered, discovered yeah. them a lot later, but. Uh, well, I I remember getting into the punk thing, and when you go back now and you listen to punk, you know, if you look, half of it was actually shit. Absolutely. Like you know the UK subs and stuff, and it was like, what the fuck? Yeah. The Bee Gees were better. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, and a lot of it was shit. Yeah. Um. So like then, uh, so like, did you formed a band when you were still at school? Was it? Or? Uh, it was just after school. We we right. sort of we were sort of in college in Dublin, and we formed this band called the Panic Merchants. Right. And we used to play around. You know, this would have been around. Uh, God, like the early eighties, probably around eighty three or eighty four. And you, you were in that band Guernica around the time. Yeah. You probably would have been a, a couple of years ahead of us. Right, right. As in, you, you know, you would have been, did you, you play the underground and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, the underground, right. yeah, McGonagall's so back I think in, you yeah. were kind of, when we started playing the underground, I think it was kind of, uh, you know, it was, you, you, bands like you and a house would have sort of moved on. So there was kind of a new wave of like all these bands playing there. So we'd play there and we'd play, uh, yeah, all, all those places, oh. the, the Bagot Inn and stuff. Usually the Bagot Inn was support slots, because I don't know if you remember, but you used to have to kind of pay to play back then. I don't know if it's still the same. Uh, but, uh, did we? Well, we must have had to. Yeah, I know we I did. I think at the Bagot you had to pay like 100 quid or something. So you'd, mm. you'd have to be sure you had all your ducks in a row and you got yeah. a crowd and everything. So we used to, at the Bagot it was more supports, but the, the underground we used to, we were regular players at the underground <laughs> right cool <laughs> oh, so, so did you form the band in dublin then or was it from home from baylorborough we actually formed we formed it in 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 baylorborough and yeah. we we would practice in baylorborough and we go down and the thing about living in, in baylorborough was you had all this kind of freedom where you could get down like we'd go down at the weekends and we'd go to the local school the local teacher gave us the keys to the school right. and we'd go in and we'd rehearse in like you know, in, in, in the, the common room or whatever it was at, at night. And we'd stay there till like four o'clock in the morning smoking cigarettes and, you know, we'd leave and he'd probably come in a few hours later, you know, and the place would be full of smoke, but he never complained. Oh, that's that's <laughs> and, pretty cool, actually. <laughs> and then at a certain point in Dublin, we, we, we started rehearsing at, uh, you know, rehearsing at Temple Lane and yeah. all those places. And it was actually a pain in the arse because you go in, it'd be freezing cold and nothing mm. worked and... So, so the cabin was a great place to sort of be able to do this kind of thing. But, but we were very much a Dublin band. We really didn't play down. We didn't play in cabin that often because the problem was, uh, mm. like when you play in the underground, you'd have a certain kind of an a kind of discerning audience who were kind of who were kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. But when you play in cabin, you'd be playing at places where there'd be like you know there'd be chicken in a basket and stuff and a disco afterwards. So oh, you were very exposed, you know. I remember doing a gig in Baylorborough, and we it was it was packed because it was a disco, and and people would be coming just to sort of laugh at you, you know. Yeah. And we came in, and I had long hair at the time, and some guy goes, "Kelly, get your fucking hair cut." So they'd sort of put they'd put you in your place very yeah, quick, yeah. <laughs> but you'd always make a bit more money down the country like because they'd pay in so you'd be laughing on the way home but it was a sobering experience yeah oh no i've done i've done those gigs yeah that's terrible but yeah Uh, it's not easy it's even worse actually if you're doing stand-up because you can just be torn up torn to pieces so i can imagine (laughs) there's no band behind you to drown them out you know well well, they're not they're they're not trying to impress anybody no so they have you Absolutely, you're yeah. at their mercy. Yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, so you played around the the underground. Where else now? The underground is there's a new underground open, by the way. That's it's not actually where the underground was, but it's a few doors up. 
Just I was actually there a couple of years ago. I went there with with my friend David from the band, right. so just to have a look at it. And yeah, it's it's a, it's not unlike the old underground. No. It's obviously different, but it's yeah. the same kind of uh, ethos, I think. <laughs> Absolutely, it's tiny, and uh, um, I mean, it's similar to the because the underground. Uh, I, I always remember the uh, probably the bass player would probably have to lift his bass so people could go by to the toilet. You know, it was that kind. That's of... right. Yeah, the jacks was right beside the stage there. Yeah, yeah. You could you could smell it from the stage. Yeah. It, it wasn't very glamorous, but uh, but we we thought it was very glamorous at, at the beginning, and uh, I thought it was a great, it was a great venue because it was kind of any anyone could sort of play there, but. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a good spot, but uh, no, nah, it was. It was a brilliant. Time. It was a brilliant venue because I no, I've seen so I thought, I remember seeing some mad, mad, mad bands down there, like um, and like everyone, anyone could be in a band, and like basically none of us could play. I mean, I I didn't play an instrument at all at that time. I play now, but uh, then I didn't, and. Uh, now I listen to my son, my son and his mates are in a band, but they can all play, and yeah, yeah, uh, that's good. But I heard them talking about Joy Division, who they like, a New Order, who they really like. But they found out that they that New Order and Joy Division can't really play, and they were kind of disgusted, which yeah, yeah. Is, is very disappointing that they hold that. It's such high regard the actual ability to play your instrument. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that was considered kind of uncool in our time. That if 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 you if you could play, you sort of were in a show band or you were doing something like that. Well, mm. I think you know we would have thought we were very creative, and and to be creative, part part of being kind of a shit musician was part of it. Where you're kind of pulling the wool over people's eyes a bit. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we we never valued that kind of good musicianship. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of Irish bands back then in the eighties were actually quite good at the beginning, and then they'd learn how to play, and mm. they kind of became a bit shit because they just became kind of generic and stuff. I won't, I won't name any names, but you know, as as you get like that, certainly happened with us with with the Panic Merchants. Mm. Like if I li- listen back now to the stuff at the beginning, even though it's kind of crap. It's actually more. It's more uh, creative, mm. and then at, at a certain point we learned how to play. And I remember like we'd be doing stupid shit. Like at the end, you'd be like introducing the band, and you go, "And oh, no, I'm drums," and he played drums. So it's just embarrassing, awful shit, you know. Right. Uh, so I yeah. think there's something to be said for you know not being able to play. Oh, I would say so. No, within reason, but definitely, definitely. I mean, I presume I think Eno talks about that. Eno. Um, Brian Eno that is not uh, Martin Eno but uh, uh, they, they, uh, that struggle with your instrument almost makes the music makes the sound of the band everyone trying to struggle to play their instruments absolutely well as you get better you just want to sort of copy other people and yeah I think you sort of you become less Less adventurous, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Because when yeah. you think of it, when you think that the folly of youth, I suppose, when you think these teenagers getting up on the stage in the underground and they couldn't play their instruments and they're standing up in front of a bunch of strangers playing these songs that they've written themselves, it takes a certain amount of balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the songs, and maybe I'm rose tinted glasses here, but I think there was a lot of meaning to the songs, or at least there's. They weren't writing love songs, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I don't think there was any love song like that. Would that mm. would have been kind of considered really uncool? I think back at the time. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. But I think some back some of some of our lyrics from them, Jesus, it's a little embarrassing, a little yeah. earnest, I suppose, in places. But that's yeah, what yeah, You're old and jaded. But I remember, I don't know. I anyway, look, I won't go on about all this stuff. But I, I remember going to see a couple of bands up in the uh, social worker, the workers' cl- uh, party uh, club in Parnell Street, and they, there was a band. They used to do a song called. Uh, oh, it was called. It was something devil. Era. How much longer the devil of era? It used to be. It was a song about devil era, Annie. <laughs> well, <laughs> the devil. The devil of era. But you know, anyway. Ah, but but very, uh, very clever. Ah, very clever. Very clever. Yeah. Um. So, uh, ha, ha, what happened then with the panic merchants? Like, how, how did it? I'd say at the bar, at a certain point, that just sort of fizzled out, and. Uh, it just stopped. I think the underground closed at a certain point. You might remember it closed. It would have closed around the early 90s, I suppose. Yeah. And I'd, I'd been in Ireland. This was before the Celtic Tiger and all that kind of stuff. And I, I was sort of in my mid-20s at that point. Yeah. And I just thought it was time for me to go somewhere because there was nothing happening. Yeah. And I did what many people back then did. We just emigrated mm. sort of out of the blue with no plan or anything. And I, I got lucky, I suppose. I got one of those, uh, you know, the green cards that they used to give out, the, yeah. the, the Morrison visas or whichever visa it was. And I sort of, I'd been to the States before and I sort of wanted to go back. And, and so, you know, I, I just, so the, the band wasn't really happening and we'd moved on and, and the other guys, they're, they're, you know, they had careers as well. And so we, it, it just fizzled out. There was nothing bad. It's not like we sort of, uh, you know, fell out with each other, but it, it just wasn't, it, it, it suddenly became uninteresting and kind of, it, it wasn't what we really wanted to do. So I, I left and I went to America and the rest of the guys got on with their lives. And we actually didn't really think about music or anything for about 20 years, you know, or 15 or 20 years. And it got to the stage that it kind of forgot that you were ever in a band. Mm. And then what happened, like what, what made us sort of get back into music was about 10 or 12 years ago, my sister sent over this box of, of tapes, old tapes from the panic merchants. Mm. And I kind of digitized a few of them. And I sent them on to the lads and they kind of got into it and it kind of became kind of a jokey thing. We kind of said, oh, geez, we should do something again, you know? Mm. And then we did about 10 years ago, we got together and we just played a few old songs and we came up with a few things. And that was the beginning of the Sons of Southern Ulster. And we sort of decided at that point that, you know, we weren't going to be writing uh, indie classics. So we sort of focused on this kind of Southern Ulster kind of vibe, you know, the whole Cavan thing. And, and we sort of ended up writing this album that was sort of about where Bailaborough was the muse, which, you know, the younger me would have, if somebody had said, Bailaborough would be a muse for an album, <laughs> been, Jesus Christ. But it sort of worked and it sort of kept us focused. So we, we did that and, and it seems to done all right. It's doing all right. You yeah, know? great. So that's like the uh, Foundry Folk Songs. And, uh, yes, that's that's the album. It came out in 2016. Yeah. And so there's and, lots and, of, um, it's kind of like poetry, really. Like, so there's, uh, with references to things like Cavan Cola, um, just life in a small town, I guess. Is that how Yeah, you'd... well, I... I... I was I'm I'm the lyricist, so I would mm. I I would sort of put myself into you know I, I sort of remember these these things would be in the back of your mind all your life you know, mm. and it's just remember these things and these characters and I just started writing about them and it was kind of almost stream of consciousness and David then would be primarily the uh, 
the you know he'd write the music and write the the, the guitar stuff and he'd send it over so we'd be doing this by, by you know via email and that kind of stuff and uh so it was kind of a joke at the beginning because i'd we, i'd be writing these lyrics about these characters and he'd kind of know exactly who i was talking about because we grew up together and we'd be kind of laughing about it and stuff and we did it and we, we didn't really know if these were really songs or anything so we were just doing it sort of for our own amusement and then i, I suppose we're we're we, Became a bit more serious as we we decided to uh, to record the the, the songs mm. and we we were able to do most of it online you know with all that software that you have nowadays yeah. but I, I don't know if you've ever tried to record vocals online it's actually really hard oh yeah to get good vocals so I decided uh, I was over here and I decided one day geez I better just go into a studio and record the vocals you know yeah so I called around a few studios and this guy answered the phone and. Uh, he was real nice, you know, and he was a good guy. His name's David Minahan, and I knew I knew of him because he'd been in like bands around around Boston, and like back in the eighties and stuff. So he's kind of quite well known. So I went into the so I called him and I said, "Look, we're we're a couple of guys in our like at this point we're in our late forties. I said we're in our late forties. We just want to come in and kind of do this karaoke kind of vocal thing. We have the backing tracks. So I just want to record some vocals. Is that cool?" And he said, "Yeah, come on in, you know." So so we went in and we recorded it. And after we recorded, he came over to us and he said, you know, that's fucking really good. And what I was, what I thought was going to happen when you guys came in was I thought you were going to be like coming in and doing like, you know, rock singing over like Louie Louie and stuff. You know, mm. he thought we were going to like a couple of old guys going through a midlife crisis, which you probably were anyway. Yeah. But he was very complimentary about the stuff. And, and you know, he plays he plays guitar with the replacements. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with the replacements. Yeah, really? But he, he, he's, the, he's their touring guitarist, yeah. So oh. like he wasn't in the original lineup, but he plays with them now now on the tour so you know this guy knew his stuff so he was just so complimentary about it so for the first time we kind of thought jesus then maybe this is all right you know yeah because we actually didn't we hadn't a fucking clue yeah and so, so that was great you know yeah. and then i suppose the next thing that happened that sort of made us kind of get get intro you know to push it along was we sent it over david had been reading i, I don't know if you're familiar with a magazine called viva La rock it's it's like a punk rock magazine it's an english thing no and it's all about classic punk it's like you see it in the shops and it's you know it has like the interviews with the ruts and and features on the clash and, and it's this glossy thing it's, it's actually really cool it's it's it, people of our age who are into punk it's, it's really cool mm. it's kind of like smash smash hits for aging punks right okay and uh, and they were giving out these free cds with it you know like with like spirit destiny and madness and you know all this also mm. and uh so we I, we sent them over a couple of tracks and we got here we you know we just wondered would you even think about putting this on your cd and they got back and they said, absolutely, with any 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 of the tracks we'll put on the CD. So that, that was great that we got onto that magazine and next thing, mm-hmm. things began to take off just you know, a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Nice so it, 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 it's, it's all good crack, you know. Like, that, it, it's, it's all within, within reason, you know, when I say take off, you know. Yeah, you no, haven't made any money. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think anyone makes money out of music anymore, well. actually. Um, uh but um, have you done have you done gigs in Ireland? You did some gigs last year, wasn't it? In, in we did. We we uh, we were we decided we wanted to do a few gigs, and at that point we we went to a four piece, and we got in the original drummer uh, Noel Larkin from Bailborough, and we got in the original uh, bass player from the Panic Merchants, who we hadn't seen in like thirty years. Yeah. And we met up the night before our first gig in Ireland, the four of us for the first time in thirty years. 
and we did uh, like at this point the, the gigs that we do in Ireland they're gigs of convenience so it's not like you know we have a booker or anything and mm. go out and you know plan this thing great so David lives in Clare's so we, we always do a gig in a place called the Washerwoman in, in Ballina there on you know Killaloo Ballina oh just, yeah I yeah I am um, yeah yeah I think I know that bar I think I've done a gig in that bar actually that would that would make sense because it, yeah. it's, it's a great place for a gig and it's, it's great it's a great venue yeah so we played there and then we would we did uh, where else did we play we, we did something at the University of Limerick we played there right. and then we did a few other gigs and we, 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 library we went back to Bailaborough yeah. we did a couple of library gigs this yeah. year yeah, but yeah. we also went back to Bailaborough and at that point there was a guy there was a guy who heard the album called Nicky Fennell he's, he's a he's a professor at the at Mary Immaculate College in Limerick. He, he makes films and stuff, right. and he liked the album. So he asked if you know would we be interested or would would we allow him allow him? Of course, we, of course we would to make a, a a sort of a documentary about the tour. So he came along, and we decided we'd do this. We'd, we'd return to Bailborough for the first time in like thirty years. And we did this gig, and he filmed the whole thing, and it was in it like an old church mm. that's actually owned by a Fianna Fáil TD. Who, it was mm. very gracious. She she let us uh, have the venue, and she was cool about the whole thing. And if you, if if you have the time, if you, if you see the videos online somewhere, the, the the documentary, but it it all it was great crack. It was it was just great fun, and it was totally bonkers, which is right. kind of the way we like it. And so we're trying to get over to Ireland every year. All right. Um, we must try and get... Uh, uh, where can you find that documentary, if anyone... Uh, I must... Uh, God, oh, give, uh, give, give me the details and I'll, t- I'll say what they are later. Whatever. Well, the, the, the name of the, the documentary is called Foundry Folk Songs. And yeah. I think if you go on to uh, Facebook, you'll, you'll find yeah. a version of it right. that's there. And... Uh, you know, it's 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 we we enjoy doing it. And, yeah. You know, of course, like all like all of these things that you're in, you're always a bit paranoid about other people's perception. <laughs> but it, it's it's on. If you look on Facebook, if you Google Foundry Folk Songs documentary, you should be able to do it. Or, or if you Google Nikki Fennel, right, you should be able to find it. So so it's all it's all it's all good crack, you know. That's fucking brilliant. It's really good stuff. Really good song. You know, it really. Uh, hits a note on that kind of era as well and uh, I mean it's a double thing it's because it was kind of a weird Ireland I mean it's not an Ireland I'd want to go back to to be quite honest but um, at the same time there were good things about it yeah I'd agree with that it's it's probably Ireland's actually I'd say like now I just really go as a tourist and uh, Mm. But it's actually it's a better place. There's more to do. Better people are better educated. Like there's more opportunity, mm. and the roads are better. And th- there was a lot of shit things back in Ireland back in that time. Well, like waiting um, for a bus for an hour, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and as you said, I think in something that's online, if if you looked in any way different. You were pretty much picked on if you were walking down the street. Oh yeah, anything, any, anything. If you sort of put your head above the parapet at all, you, you might get your head kicked in. And it was very, uh, it was very sort of parochial. And I think one yeah. of one of my regrets, I suppose, when we were writing this album, actually, I was thinking about this. And one of my regrets is as having lived in a small town and being, you know, a teenager there. Where you kind of bought into this crap, you know, where mm. you'd like go to discos, and if there was anyone who wasn't who you didn't know. You know, they'd be trying to start fights with them and stuff, and it was kind of considered entertainment. And it's just 
barbaric really it's and horrific it is fucking mad to think of that <laughs> I know because it happened around here I think it was Drogheda Navan thing so if I you'd, you'd hear I'd hear from my brother saying oh, I went to a disco in Navan a couple of Drogheda boys came in and there was a big <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. fucking mad I mean we get upset about um, immigrants now but I mean there's always something to be upset about and it was then it was just people from the next town Oh yeah. yeah. Well, there's one of the songs on the Foundry Folks songs album. It's called uh, Jesus. What's it called? Farmers Hall, and it's about a night. It's like a true story, and it's about a night when uh, a bunch of us from Baylor went over to see Horse Lips, who were playing at the place called Farmers Hall. Would you believe in mm. Virginia? And we got there, and Horse Lips were huge then. This this probably would have been about, let's say it was 1979 or something, and Horse Lips were huge then, and. Uh, but, but the whole gig was basically a running battle between a bunch of fellas from Baylorborough and a bunch of fellas from Kells. And uh, it just went on all night. Like, there were chairs being thrown, and horse lips were, were, were probably well used to this kind of shenanigans. <laughs> so they just played they through seem, They were just playing away. And at one point, it did sort of push up towards the stage. And I remember one of the horse lips guys, that, that he had a moustache. I want to say it was Jim Lockhart, but I, I could be mistaken yeah. and he just kind of pushed them away aggressively like he was taking no shit from these people i'm sure he was seeing it every night of the week you know <laughs> and it was just kells and 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 Baylor. and you know at one point there was a fella i know from Baylor where he was li- like lying on the ground mm. like he passed out yeah and he was sort of in this no man's land while these chairs like you know those plastic chairs that yeah. you get in these shitty dance halls <laughs> were like flying through the air so it was it was great excitement but jesus i i just think of my own son like would, would he ever, he wouldn't even dream of that yeah and uh, now, now that you down. now that you talk about it i kind of feel like ah uh, it was exciting <laughs> was but i was never like i was yeah. always kind of at the background like when they go look at those bastards over there from king's court or whatever but i was yeah. never like the fr- the first guy who go over fist flailing i was always like standing in the background going come on come on you fuckers yeah but actually not really in the middle of it so th- that was kind of exciting yeah so i probably never saw that but the 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 first time i saw kind of violence at a gig it was remember i don't know if the boom the boomtown rats couldn't get a gig in ireland and then they eventually uh got this that's festival. right yeah yeah i remember that yeah yeah and then they got a festival in Leakslip where a load of irish bands played like theatrix and like, i was still at school dc9 maybe played anyway loads of irish bands and then the boomtown rats came on and a big fight started between <laughs> some gang from fingless and another gang from somewhere else and just started and then of course bob gedlow's going if, if anyone wants to fight, come up here and fight me. You know the way, be like that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> well off on the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a bit scary. I, and um, uh, we were hearing so much about how nasty punks were. I was still at school, so I thought, oh, this must be what it's about. You know, the punk, the crazy punks. But it wasn't punks. It was just fucking idiots fighting. Um, but but I think Irish culture that that was a that was a thing in Irish teenage culture then where it was all about being a kind of hard man like you'd always have to pretend you were really hard and tough yeah. and to fighting and stuff and it was kind of it's just the way it was and I think even even the parents would kind of condone that you know they were always one you know it was kind of considered cool if you're a bit tough and you could take care of yourself and, and I don't think kids do that anymore no. I, 
I, do you know what? There was a because yeah, it would happen all the time. There was a fellow in the national school who decided he wanted to box anybody, any challenger, and that that happened <laughs> quite openly in the in the field behind the school. No teacher intervened, and lads lining up to box them and just getting bloody noses. <laughs> If you were the teacher, you were probably looking out the window going, Jesus, I'm just going to ignore this. Yeah. <laughs> teacher didn't want to get a bloody nose. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, are you going to do any gigs in America at all? You... Uh, we actually haven't because, uh, to be honest, we're very unorganized. And uh, everything we do is we sort of do it by the seat of our pants. So any sort of success that we've gotten, like we've, you know, we've gotten some, you know, like we've, there's certain people who've sort of taken to us, like Paul McLoon, for example, plays us a lot, you know, Paul McLoon yeah, on the yeah. radio there, and he had us in for a session, and the way we did that was, I tweeted him one night, and I said, hey, here's a song, have, would you have a listen to this, and he got back and he said, uh, yeah, that's great. Have you any more? And I sent him a few, and he and he kind of got into it that way. And my understanding is that's not the way you're supposed to promote your your album, but kind of that's the way we do it, you know. Mm. And so so we're really unorganized. So if things don't sort of fall into our lap, we sort of don't really do it. So the idea of actually gigging mm. in America, like we looked into it. Mm. And I, I was talking to a band in New York, and I said, and they were thinking, you know, I was saying, why don't you guys come up here, and we'll go up there. And then they got all serious, and they were like, well, how many fans do you think you'd bring to the thing? And I kind of thought, I don't fucking know. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we kind of like the way we have it, where we sort of do these tours of Ireland. Now we're supposed to go to Scotland. There's a there's a guy in Scotland that does a, a record a record shop called avalanche records who who sort of they're, they're our de facto distributor in scotland so he recently asked if we go over and do a gig in edinburgh so it's more likely that we do something in in britain rather than, than america for now but i'd love to do something in america at some point but because we're also s- split up and you know mm. the rest of the guys are in ireland and i'm over here it's actually difficult you know yeah and what about but ireland it, ireland any plans? Ireland, we'd probably do something. We'll be, we'll be over there in the summer again because we're actually we, we the second album's well on its way. We've ten songs recorded and oh, nice. we're we're mixing them at the moment. So we we hope to be doing something in Ireland at at some point and probably something in London at at, at some point too because uh, you know there, there's a bit of demand for that kind of stuff. So we we got to play on it. We were played a few times on the BBC, so that sort of helped us. You know, we we have a lot of. British people who sort of have an interest in us, which is funny because the name of the band is kind of uh, Sons of Southern Ulster in Ireland seems to be a bit of a, it, it's contentious in a way. And that yeah. that, can, that hasn't seemed to have, in, in, Brit, in England and Scotland, people don't even, don't even uh, mention that. But I know like in, in the Irish Times, for example, we, we got a, we, we got crowned with song of the week in the irish times when when the pop in song came out nice. but but most of the most of the review about it was uh well when we first got this thing with this name we actually were going to throw it in the bin because we thought it was some republican thing which couldn't yeah. be further from the truth yeah but uh so you know it's funny how these things work you could probably get a loyalist following as well with I think we actually might have a bit of a loyalist following in yeah. Scotland who probably yeah. think we're you know we're equal opportunity we'll play in any orange halls and uh, whatever the opposite is yeah, but, yeah. Uh, 
but but the album, as you know, if you've heard the album, there, there's nothing that's not political at all. But I suppose just putting the name Ulster in the name of the band is a political act in itself, which I was sort of unaware of. I, I didn't realise that, you know, that sort of stuff was still a thing. But, but you know, the, the reason why we called it Sons of Southern Ulster was we, we all grew up in Cavan. So mm. it was sort of a nod to that, because one of the things about growing up in, in, in Cavan in, in the 80s and 90s, like, when, that's when all the shit was going on mm. up the north. And so it was so it was sort of on our doorstep, and we were sort of in Ulster, but we were in this kind of uncool part of Ulster because you know remember the North was kind of considered kind of way ahead of the South of our back in the eighties. Oh yeah, that mean, more mean, sort of progressive. The minute well, even the roads were better. The minute you went over the border, yeah, the roads. Were and they used to have show, like youth programs on UTV with like bands like all those punk bands up the north and stuff. Mm. So we all always sort of felt like the poor part of Ulster because we had nothing. We were sort of the it was a rural backwater. So that, that's that's how the name came about. There was nothing political or it was it was sort of a, a joke in a way. Was there any effect of the the troubles in the north in the area? Was it would, would have been a smug, uh, there, there, not 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 re- not in the way that you uh, I suppose you see if you thought if you thought of that stuff going on now you know people would be traumatized just by the fact that it was happening up the road but people are very resilient so you sort of were used to it like I'm sure even if you think people in Dublin sure they were only hundred miles up the road mm. and it might as well have been a different world you know yeah. so Cavan was a bit like that but you know there'd be a few guys around the town who'd be sort of you know in for the cause and that kind of stuff but it just wouldn't be like talked about you know and Bailaborough is a funny town because Bailaborough as one of the songs points out it, it, it's traditionally a, a planter's town where it was planted in the in the you know the 1600s by you know Presbyterians from Scotland who were come, come over and given land and all of that kind of stuff yeah. so Bailaborough has always had a strange kind of a strange kind of relationship with you know your the brethren from each side would sort of get on in a, in a quiet, sort of polite way. But it was a sort of, so it was a very strange environment to grow up. And the, and the older I get and the more removed from, from it I am, the stranger it actually seems to me. It just seems odd mm. and, and strange. But, but you know, it was, we, we, we were relatively untraumatized by the whole thing. But the mm. stuff that was going on, as you, as you know, was just bizarre. It was fucking nuts. Oh, it was, yeah. Did you do ever do any gigs in the north with the panic merchants? Uh, we never actually made it out. The, the closest we ever got was Cavan Town, mm. and uh, the reaction there was so poor. We decided we, we wouldn't go any further. And um, right. we we did play in Dundalk a couple of times at the regional technical. College. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is good. Crap. But we never made it over the border. Did you ever play? Over yes, there? we played up in in Queens a few times, and uh, I think it was the Limelight we played once. And uh, myself and the guitarist got to support. Aztec camera in Queens because they didn't want the full band. Um, that was, oh, really? Yeah, and that was the closest I ever got to, like a kind of screaming young ones. Because they, Aztec camera oh. were kind of, well, you know, were a pop band and they got, they had young ones, uh, young girls, I should say, uh, yeah, yeah, coming yeah. to them. And there was a bit of that going on. Yeah, so that was a nice gig. That's, that's great. Yeah. I remember actually seeing Aztec camera probably around that time they played in uh, McGonagall's. All right. That would have been probably around the same time. Yeah, um, but you would get searched on the way. the the van The van would be searched uh, by British soldiers. You know, yeah, it's, it's all very strange, and and, and yeah. it just seems just utterly bizarre. Yeah, um, um, and how strange it is now that that it's 
Northern Ireland is the only place in Europe that has uh, no gay marriage and no abortion, and we're the progressive ones. That's funny. So we can feel very well. Obviously, I haven't lived in Ireland for like thirty years or twenty-six years, so I, I can't really join in on that smug feeling of how how uh, enlightened we are compared to the guys up the road. But it, but it is true how th- how things have changed so much. Yeah. But I think there, there there were probably always little conservative up there, and it was we just happened to be a bit more conservative. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know, <laughs> I but we didn't. Enlightened. You'd always have that joke. Oh, your pro- the Protestants are they are using condoms and everything they're terrible but it's probably not well, true it maybe is the english well, I, protestants but not the ones in ireland <laughs> well i think in the monty python film there's a joke about that where they said that the protestants going of course we can use french sticklers anytime we want and his <laughs> wife is kind of behind them going but you, you never do yeah so yeah but it's, yeah. it was certainly a strange time but but ireland was a strange place but it's it's changed so much and as you say it's in in many ways it's changed so much for the better and you know at least yeah, for the most oh, part, yeah. it is. Yeah, I can see what's happening in uh, in the US happening in Ireland now. There are there are, there's a right wing kind of racist kind of um, groups kind of. Yeah, but I don't think it'll ever go back to that sort of level, and it'll never go back to that sort of. Uh, people are sort of enlightened now, and they think for themselves. Like I remember, mm. like I was never in, into religion, and my I don't mean that like in some cool way, but. Mm so many people were and it was kind of considered bad if you didn't go to mass and you didn't do all this kind of stuff and that, that's all gone it's ne- that's never coming back yeah that isn't and coming so, back that you know, it's, 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 it's for the best yeah 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 I think so yeah oh it is very doubt it's funny actually because I went to see I went to McCroom Festival back in the just after I did my leaving cert with a group of people from school and most of them went to mass on the Sunday we were at a festival it'd be like leaving the the <laughs> Uh, Woodstock to go to mass. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird. But the, even when the Pope came over in the, the in the late seventies, and it was like people went to that as if it was Bruce Springsteen, or it was like one of the you know those awful gigs at Slam where everyone sits on everyone's shoulders. And sort of, yeah, yeah. And it, kind of the Pope was kind of like like it was ah oh, the Pope's cool. And oh, when when the Pope said cool. young young people of Ireland, I love you. It was paroxysms of joy from. Uh-huh. People like it was, uh, yeah, and I, and I remember getting a bit carried away with it myself. And I, oh, I, me too. I, I, I'd actually, yeah. I didn't see him because we didn't. My parents were actually, uh, you know, they, they weren't really, they didn't buy into the whole thing, which in, in some ways was a bit of an embarrassment because you know, you'd never got a mass or anything. And <laughs> even though it was great that you didn't have to get up on Sunday morning, there was always a bit of you that goes, Well, everyone else goes to mass, but my parents didn't yeah. have any time for it, so we didn't go to the Pope. But to be honest, and I'm kind of glad now because it's like a badge of honor because nearly everybody did go. That is but very unusual, the, yeah. Wow. At the time, I kind of wouldn't have minded going and mm. kind of standing there looking <laughs> at the yeah. mobile and the chieftains and everything else. But uh, yeah, it's, it's different different times. I believe he came recently, and it wasn't uh, quite the. Yeah, well, I wasn't oh, here yeah. in the country at the time, but yeah, it wasn't a great turnout. Yeah. But uh, so, uh, you've no plan. So at the moment, anyway, we can't say there's any dates coming up in Ireland. Uh, we'll do something. We'll definitely be doing something in the summer. I'd really like to do something in Dublin because we we've played less in Dublin than we could. We did a gig mm. last year in Dublin at uh, at Nighthawks. I don't know if you're familiar with an event called Nighthawks. It happens up in a Oh, oh, God, where's that? I can't remember the name of the place. Up on sort of North Frederick Street there. 
and it was awesome. It was really good, but it was very small and it was sold out and all of that kind of stuff. So we'd really like mm. to do something when we release the album, something, something a bit bigger and, you know, so, somewhere in town. So we, yeah. we'll definitely have something, but we've, we've nothing planned and right. we're just not good with the planning. But, right. you know, stay tuned. We have a website, so if you look at the website, if, if we get around to updating it at some point, we, we'll have the dates on there. Oh, well, let me know. I'm sure I can plug it to Absolutely. the... Uh, Ten people are listening to this, so. Um, well, that's that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's more than ten. I, I, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an avid listener. I enjoy the show very much. I oh. to it when I'm driving to and from work. Oh yeah, thanks very I mean, much. I know I haven't been doing them that often recently, but I'll, I'll get. I'm definitely intending to be a bit more. Um, get back on it now, you know. Great, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but yeah. Brilliant. So. Uh, yeah, thanks for the chat, and it's been great well, to have a chat with you. It's been ages ago, actually, you sent me the CD. I'm sorry, it's been very bold of me not to have got back to you until now. But, um, yeah, no worries, and we'll get, we'll get the new one to you when it comes out. We're hoping to bring the new one out on vinyl, but we'll, we'll see how that works out. Oh, it's cool. a bit of a pain in the arse, you know, but cool. we'll, we'll see if, if, if it's... Yeah, 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 that, that'd be amazing, actually. And... Um, I'll have to get a Guernica reunion going, <laughs> but uh, at some point we'll have to do a gig, maybe. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see Guer- Guernica. I, I gotta say, Guernica li- listening back, like to us when we were starting out with the Panic Birds, Guer- to, in our minds, Guernica had made it. Like you guys were on the yeah. beyond like Anything Goes and stuff. Is that the yeah? We were on Anything Goes <laughs> with Angus McAnally. Yeah. 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 And and you and and uh, those handsome devils and stuff. So we, we to to us, you guys you, you guys were like senior statesmen of rocks. So right, uh, we were all on the dole. But yeah, yeah. But, anyway. uh, that's <laughs> the way it went. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'd really like to, to do one gig with Gary. But I don't think any of them are into except Derek Lee, the bass player. Uh, the rest of them are not into it but I'd probably just get a young band to well, you can probably get your, get your son in there well that's it I could just get yeah his band maybe that's, that's your excuse to teach him all the Guernica songs yeah well I'd say he'd learn them pretty quickly uh, <laughs> probably play them better I <laughs> know oh, yeah my son does the same he goes yeah. oh, that song shit yeah. you know, I could do that in two minutes <laughs> oh god yeah 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 uh, there you go trying to impress the kids it's a, no. it's a losing game it is without a doubt um, but it's nice to see them taking interest no no it's brilliant I love going to, to see uh, Modern Love they're the band my son's in yeah it's fucking brilliant so uh, I uh, okay well listen nice chatting and uh, we'll keep in touch definitely and uh, absolutely I'll Joe. stick a song on after this as well that would be fantastic, and I'll send you the record when it comes out, and oh, uh, I'll, send, I'll send you a link to the to the to the uh, documentary. Ah, oh, class! Yeah, thanks a lot, Justin. Thanks a lot. All right. Brilliant. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Justin Kelly there from the Sons of Southern Ulster and you can find them at their website www.sonsofsouthernulster.com also on YouTube and you'll find them on Spotify as well Uh, the album is 
foundry folk songs. Uh, so there you go. Uh, now I've got a gig coming up in uh, with Patrick McDonald in Clears in Kilkenny on March the 8th, which is uh, next Friday, obviously. And then, uh, and then I'm away. I'm away to Hong Kong for a week for four gigs. But when I'm back, I will be back doing gigs a gig with patrick mcdonald in whelan's we're trying out our new show again the new show culture warriors which involves some sketches and stand-up and also we'll be doing the dolman in carrig mines is it the dolman theater anyway on the 22nd and the 23rd of march and then uh, we'll be in anderson's in sligo on the 29th of march and I'll be in City Limits in Cork on the 30th of March. Okie dokie. Uh, what am I doing in April? Just in case. Hey, you never know. Could be something happening. Um, uh, I'm doing my own gigs, but uh, yeah, we'll leave that. It's too far ahead, isn't it? I'm doing the Marine in Bantry on the 11th of April. Oh, here, I'm doing Barrett's Bar in Khalidi in County Cork on the 6th of April and I'll be doing Pug Uglies in Belfast on the 4th of April and I've just realised I've just found out I will be doing a gig in Skull I think on the 7th of April I've no details on that yet so whatever so uh, listen thanks for uh, are you still here? are you still here? are you? are you still here? what are you doing? what's the sorry? Yari? See ya. Bye. With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices, which adds up to big savings for the win. You also earn fuel points on every purchase, which means you win big at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. You can save an extra $10 when you spend 40 or more on a great selection of participating items. Just look for the signs and save at Baker's.